Hello everyone and welcome to the Athlete Tribe podcast. I'm your host Lee Eldridge. In this podcast we'll be talking to elite coaches, practitioners, athletes and high achievers about how to improve performance. We'll be covering topics such as training, improving your sport, work and overall life. I hope you enjoy the show today. Please feel free to leave a review. We're back with Max Laheef. Um, he's agreed to kind of keep us a little bit updated with all his, his bits and pieces. Um, and you're just about to come out of off-season. Is that correct? This is correct. Back, back, in. Yeah. back into it. So all the boys are back in tomorrow. So I just wanted to touch base because I've seen you do some... In, well, I always see you do interesting stuff on Instagram. But some things have really kind of piqued my curiosity. One is your skipping, your new skipping obsession. Um, yeah. And obviously, you're coming back from a bit of a, a calf injury. What what what's kind of brought along that that calf that skipping fascination? So, so the skipping. Well, I wouldn't call it just. I wouldn't. Yeah, we call, we, we call it roping in in the biz. But oh, anyway, um, sorry. But yeah, no. Um, essentially mate it's like i met a guy called um tim chief he lives here in bristol and he trained with a guy called um well it's like the weck method a guy in uh, california and he's all about like um sort of spinal mechanics like the slinging mechanics and the underutilized sort of rotational gates that this is all anecdotal but like well, in my experience anyway, um, of like what primitive man should be. So it's like sort of that more sort of um, natural movement of like coiling the body. Um, and really that's what the rope is. It's like a kind of like, it's like a tool for gait mechanics, like throwing, running, boxing. It's a lot of uh, thoracic and hip like rotation. And it's sort of, uh, coordinating all those sort of movements with your whole body and other than that it's just a lot of fun so even if it wasn't that like that which but I, I, I think generally that I'd get a lot out of it mobility wise and stuff and um, it's just so wonderful it's really addictive quite mindful um, and there is some showy office stuff in there that's probably not that useful but just but it's so like so so there's some great patterns on there some great techniques or tricks as they say that actually do lend themselves to running and stuff and you do feel it quite quickly as well one of the big things comes across with you is that you're quite open to trying different things uh, yeah, you, you yeah. Move, but you have a big solid foundation of of you know what we class as normal strength and conditioning stuff so i know you're heavily into all your compound lifts you know, in your Olympic stuff, you're, you're pretty, pretty on top of that. Um, how do you see that with, with other guys in, in the industry in terms of professional guys? How open are they to explore different methods outside of what, what majority of the guys are doing? Um, it's difficult, isn't it, man? Like, S&C, like, it's such a, I wouldn't call it incestuous, but like, it's hard to change people's minds to like different principles on something that people invest so much time resources in and become quite tribal and then it gets emotional. So like um, you've watched like I'm talking about sort of, you could go from like Louis Simmons and Westside Barbell and he's like the guy on 
is like he's made that hybrid, that conjugate method. And then you've got other guys like um, Ido Portal, who's like moving like a goddamn spider monkey. And you just like, there's so much choice, and but everyone's so emotional and tribal about it. So I just thought be more ambivalent, ambivalent about like what you sort of add into your own practices. And I just think that in rugby, because it's so like dominated by collision winning um, and the KPIs are obviously more about sprinting and force development because that's how you get good carriers. Like you have to win momentum. Rugby's a momentum game. Um, you can get too stuck in just wanting to develop force. And I, I find that too much compound lifting just leads to sort of, I wouldn't call it not intelligent bodies, but you kind of get like fused together yeah. and you're just, it's just the sagittal kind of plane of movement that you're good at. So I, I just, I just felt I could see it over my career, like in, in, in video, like I could see my body changing in terms of how it moved. So I was like, I need to get some, I need to like get my fascia was holding my whole body hostage. So I was just thinking I need to kind of become a little bit more cerebral with how I move. So any practice I can um, sort of incorporate that lets me do that, whether that be swimming, a little bit of rock climbing, roping, that kind of thing, yoga, grappling, all those things make you move more intelligently in, in that regard. Um, so I try and get that in. But I think going back to your original question, yeah, it's weird. Like people don't, um, like people want to conform for the most part. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to like, it's hard to like break out. So yeah, I'm slowly getting people interested in it, but um, yeah, it's like, that's weird. It's different. Probably bollocks. I'm not going to do that. Um, Cause you brought up, it's like you get fed all, all the like compound movements in popular culture as it is. So you just, that's what you think already. And then when you get thrown into a professional sporting environment, that's what you're brought up on. Like your, your big compounds, a little bit Olympic lifting, if you're good enough. And that's it, man. Like, so I understand why the culture is so stubborn about bringing new things in. It just takes a while for people to add new stuff into what the status quo for being good athletes are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird world. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, I think there's some stuff around with Stephen Cutler who talks about how the performance world is looking more into the spiritual world for performance enhancing and likewise the spiritual world is now into, into the performance world for, for, for those types of improvements um and it's just you know it's good to see that you're you're willing to because i know you probably get a bit of stick i'd imagine and some of the boys <laughs> absolutely <laughs> there's max having a little bit of a, a roping session in the corner yeah exactly. uh, you know, and it's. It, I think the big, biggest thing for you is, well, is that mindful practice of just, you know, having some time. Because mm. it's a big, massive, intense environment. It doesn't matter what what level you're on. One question I really wanted to ask you, and from the last kind of conversation we had, which really people kind of had um, or got in contact with me, was about your nutrition um, and obviously your your cooking talents. How has kind of being in lockdown affected your nutrition? So it's actually been quite interesting. So basically, since lockdown, I 
I started not eating, so I essentially intermittently fast. So I'm always on a, a roughly about calorie neutral or calorie deficit. Um, and just but, to, yeah, when you say that, what 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 we're we looking at from a calorie neutral point of view, roughly? I reckon like high two thousand, three thousand calories. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of, I mean, some training days I reckon I'll go over that a bit, and if I'm playing a lot, then I'll have to up what I'm eating. Like I'll have to, I'll have to consciously do that. Otherwise, I will lose weight. But generally, if it's like lockdown and I'm only doing like one training session a, a day, mm. like what I'm doing at the moment in rehab, I don't have to. I don't have to push the boat out. What I mean, I can just have one big meal at about four or five at afternoon, and I feel great. And then I'll have a little bit of food in the like sort of just before bed, like later on at like eight. And you just feel a lot. I just find, um, and in the morning, I. In the morning, to be fair, though, I'll have something quite fatty and usually caffeinated, like a big coffee with like um, sort of MCT and um, like butter or something. Um, and that just like satiates me for so long. And I just have a lot more, I have a lot better mental clarity and like even keeled energy throughout the day. I find if I eat too close around training, I have digestive, I get like sleepy, get the insulin spikes. You got like this big kind of mountain of food in your stomach around training. It's just niggly. So um, that's been wonderful. I mean, I, I get why people do it, but I wouldn't like be banging the house on it and being like, this is it. If I was, if you were talking about like body composition and, and what's best for you, then eat what's best for you. But Body composition-wise, it's just because I'm in mostly I'm either neutral or in a or I'm in a deficit. Really, it's interesting to hear that you know you can get away with just one or one and a half meals during the course of the, the day. Yeah, right? six, yeah. Obviously, most people yeah. will look at you and think you've got to be kind of forcing it down you to maintain that that body weight. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm just being with. Being honest, yeah, I, I don't think I burn as many. Just especially during rehab, like I only I'll only have two or three running sessions a week, one weight big weights like one weight session a day, if that. Then I've got through, like the weekend Wednesday off. Um, so I just don't need as much as I think I do. Don't get me wrong, I still have shakes, and I'm, I reckon I'm still in that protein surplus of about I don't know two point two grams of protein per kilo body mass, roughly. So I'm still like, I'm still in that kind of, um, I'm still ticking those boxes. Uh, but yeah, it works for me so well. I, I actually, I'm like you, I was skeptical at the beginning when I started doing it. I was like, let's see what happens. Keep looking at the scales. But everything was stayed the same and my strength was still skyrocketing. I'm like, I'm pretty light for me at the moment. So it's definitely cut like um, fat off me. So I'd be like, I'm like 114, 115 at the moment. Nice. And I, I feel really nice. So, and all the, my, my strength's going up. So I'm not really going to tinker with it too much. Cool. And then obviously you're kind of into off season. What's, what's the main kind of goals from that point of view physically? Obviously. Yeah. Off, yeah. Cause in when it obviously, yeah. So it's all about just trying to prime my body for uh, force development, getting faster, getting stronger. Because once I'm playing rugby, it's all I'm all about the weekend. So I'm just trying to make sure I'm ready to play, like ready to uh, perform. Which it's not; the two aren't really conducive to each other, in my experience. 
I find when I'm playing a lot of rugby, I can't, I can't maintain the numbers that I, I push out. And you're a rugby player first, um, athlete, like, and weightlifter, I don't know, fourth, fifth, like, shouldn't get too wrapped up in, like, promoting numbers, even though I recognise what my strengths are on the field, uh, down to shifting people. So I've got to be a good, like, impact athlete. Um, so... I do think about that a lot, but um, yeah, off season, obviously give myself some time off, like, and then yeah, get after it. Uh, if I can get that back to I have just decent, tasty compound lifting and still remain pretty fresh, then happy days. Because obviously, there's it's, it's a balancing act between enough volume and intensity during the week to to maintain or or to even. Yeah develop a, a certain strength quality, but also so that Max is fresh to go on the Saturday. Mm. How, are you, how are you monitoring that in yourself? And also as an athlete, you know, what numbers are you taking on board? Or is it just more down to how you feel in, in yourself? So <laughs> I used to be like guilty, man, of in a week, I'd like be chasing some big numbers on some lifts that would take out of you like try and chase some deadlifts or some big squats and my week to week like RPE for games was nuts like it was so varied some games I was smoked other games I felt amazing so what I recognized was on those weeks where I'm just trying to chase these silly numbers um when I'm playing um it would just smoke me for the weekend and then that next week because I was so tired on the weekend I'll have a down week and then I feel real good. And I was like, oh, well, this makes sense. And then, so that took me a while to figure out. But if I was to say, how to, like, how do I maintain that? Um, basically, I'm not too alarmed by if my numbers go down. I just think that's a natural thing for me as an athlete. Like, if I want to be performing well, like, I, I, I'm not, as long as it's not like a significant drop, then I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. But like, I feel like, uh, doing some, doing like more more research on it, like um, jumping. So making sure my like, if you can measure your jumps, like CMJs, RSIs, how, like how reactive you are, how high you jumping, because jumping doesn't take that much out of you as much as like that sort of like massive, massive deadlift or a massive squat. So like, if you can keep those sort of numbers up, um, I, th I feel like you can still throughout a season get better at jumping, become more reactive, uh, yeah. sprints, like axles, like 10 meter, 20 meter, 30 meter axles, um, working on those numbers. Those are all great indicators of like, whether you're going to be a dynamic force of destruction on the weekend, as opposed to a bit flat after just trying your hardest in the week to smash out a goddamn deadlift PB. Do you know what I mean? That's what I think anyway. Yeah, it's um, you know, jumps are a great a great tool for for anyone nowadays. You know, there's some great apps out there that, you know, you can get people to measure your jumps, and you can get very accurate <clears throat> jump heights. You know, time in the air, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, ground contact. Yeah, that's it, man. Probably my last question would be obviously with what's going on with lockdown. A lot of people have had a lot more time on their hands, and I see one of your big ways is your film, Instagram kind of information. Um, yeah, not rants, but um, definitely film know, club. Yeah, film club. You know, with Jerry Maguire and, and stuff like that. Yes. Um, as a athlete, 
what else are you doing outside of being an athlete? Um, so a lot of a big part of sort of what I'm doing is just like stuff like that. Like I like to connect with people on here. Like I just love dialogue conversations. Um, the film club, I've got a few little bits and bobs lined up outside of rugby in terms of like media stuff, like media training and stuff. So I want to kind of continue that. Um, a lot of reading, um, sort of stuck on like, uh, psychology at the moment. So I got, I did some philosophy and then I sort of fell into like, uh, Carl Jung, who I find fascinating. He's like my spirit human. What a bloke. So I'm really enjoying reading some of his stuff. Um, and then like, I try and learn like a few weird skills. So like the, um, so with the journaling, I like to journal. So I sort of taught, started taught my, teaching myself to mirror write with my left hand. So I'll write on the right page the day, and then I'll just mirror that with my left hand on the opposite page. And I've read about it being like really good for your motor skills and for your brain and to like in the world of sort of expedient distraction everywhere and overstimulation where we don't really engage our brains. We don't think we just judge by what we're seeing. It's like a useful way of sort of keeping the dementia and Alzheimer's and all that madness away. Um, what else have I been getting up to? Juggling. Still can't crack the four ball, but I'm getting there. And then what else have I been doing? Oh man, I got so in, I'm, I'm so into um, the Wim Hof stuff at the moment. Yeah, I've seen you uh, post a few things about that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. And I just read his book and I just thought it made like a lot of what he was talking about was just fascinating. Like the over domestication of humans and how like uh, like the need for clothes in like climates that don't really require them and central heating and air con. The fact that we're just so desperate for comfort, it just leads to so many, um, especially in the Western world, leads to so many like complications in later life with heart and brain. Um, things i just found it fascinating so i've been doing like loads of cold exposure and um i got this my high sauna blanket as well which is actually i was very skeptical when i bought it and it's one it's actually really really toasty so i've been smashing that and yeah that's yeah, sort of the things i'm on at the moment you're into your saunas and stuff like that, oh yeah get high on your own supply man oh the endorphins are real yeah um but Obviously, there are some interesting, you know, extracurricular activities that you're into. Any of the other guys have got some interesting things that they like to do? Because obviously, most boys I know love a bit of PlayStation or... Uh, you know, I just to try and think they can play golf, etc. Has anyone got any weird, weird things? Not not particularly... Oh, um, uh, Vax is always down in Cornwall surfing. Oh yeah, he got me into uh, learning how to skateboard, so I've been doing that as well, which has been so fun. Um, but yeah, he's he's, he's quite happy, is he? What's that? Yeah, the coaches are happy with you two boys trying to learn how to how to skateboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just cruise. I don't. I don't. I don't do tricks. I just like to cruise around. Yeah, it's, it's fairly low risk uh, uh, so far, anyway. Um, you just see me at like nine o'clock in the Asda car park, <laughs> just skating circuits around it. Um, what else? Uh, is anyone else has some fruity hobbies? 
Dan Thomas is a full-time dairy farmer outside of rugby. It's nuts. He's a crazy bastard. And he's always sending me like weird things of like his hands like up the uterus of cows as he's doing stuff. It's just like like this. <laughs> just another day, you boys. Um, um, he's a free guy. Um, but otherwise, no, there's nothing. There's still big Fortnite crews and Call of Duty crews. Um, I can't think of anyone else with a really fruity hobby on the side, no. And although you've kind of obviously moved from Bath, Bath to Bristol, you know, it's not that far of a, a journey. From a culture point of view, have you seen any difference in terms of, you know, supporter culture or anything like that? Or has it just been... Because obviously, um, you know, you've yeah, got... Yeah, there's a bit... Uh, yeah, I'd say there's a bit different. Like, I feel like Bath... Um, because Bath was such a was such a stalwart in the Premiership for so long, they had a proud um, fan base. Whereas I felt like Bristol's fan base were sort of were more optimistic, just because they were on the rise. Yeah. So it was like they just come from the champ. So it just felt a little bit more um, sort of positive in that regard. But you understand when fans are negative as well. I completely get it. Um, I'm compassionate to that, especially with. Um, when I was at Bath, we could underperform at times with the players we had. So, um, but culture-wise, um, yeah, no, there's there's definitely a difference here. Um, it's just a sort of a, a bit of a different demographic because I feel like Bristol's just a. It's got like a lot more different. Uh, it's very much more diverse in terms of personalities and backgrounds. Um, quite eclectic. Um, Whereas uh, Bath sort of had a, um, I don't know, it was just a more cohesive group of guys in terms of who they were. Whereas uh, Bristol is, is just fun having all that diversity. I've just loved it. Um, what else? And obviously you've added to that diversity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was embraced as a bastard as well. Yeah, absolutely. Just, um, yeah, it was, it was really quick. I, I think... But that's also because I'm just a lot more, was a lot more sure of myself as a person, um, as a man. Whereas at Bath, when I got there, there were a lot of big dog alphas. It was just, and I was still a young man. I must have been 20, 24, not really proper sure of myself. And there was all these kind of very, um, these, these Bath veterans at the time. Um, so it was, it was just, um, it was a lot, I was a lot different bloke to then. So. It obviously felt it just felt a lot different to coming here. I think that people disregard how how young some professional athletes are, and and you know yeah, and the situations and the stages that you're put on perform, and how that that affects individuals, everyone you know in very different ways. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's bit, for me. It was always interesting to look at that. In terms of your your senior guys and you know how they acted and how they responded to certain situations, um, but no, mate, that's that's good to hear. You know, I, I think that obviously by you reading more and you know having that interest in psychology and, and philosophy, you know, it's only going to put you in good stead. I think that's that's the, that's the big thing. Well, it just allows you to figure out if you like what, what your craziness in a sense, doesn't it? <laughs> But like, um, I find that I find that uh, with uh, rugby players, you sort of you sort of know who has figured themselves out early and who hasn't. 
not that neither of them are a bad thing. It's just like some guys are still sort of getting to grips with their their spiritual person, so to speak, like yeah. their beliefs and who they are. So like when I got like you just know immediately the guys, like who's a good example? Oh, Charlie Yules. So Charlie Yules is captain of Bath. But when I got there, he was in the academy like his last year. But you could already tell he knew exactly what he was about as a very young person. This guy was straight out of Bryanston School. Um, but he knew exactly where he was going and who he, what he was about. Same with Anthony Watson, actually. Um, there's, no, there's, not like that, um, there's not that uncertainty sort of thing and trying to uh, like, try earn themselves, in, in, so to speak. Um, and that's why I, I feel like that conviction of self is useful, but it's not everyone has it at such an early age, and it is what it is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear you that guys that you would think would be highly confident in their, the way they go about things actually deep down are not. Um, and you know, that is, it's one of those things where it takes time and everyone has their own journey, and you know, actually. The journey is the best part of it, not not the outcome. At some point, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Cool, well, Max. Great to catch up with you, buddy. It's it's been good to hear. It's been interesting to also discuss some of your your things you've been up to. Obviously, <laughs> long long may it continue. And yeah, the next activity is around the Instagram story, as we probably talk, no doubt, in your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put something up later. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Man, see you soon, buddy. Cheers, Lee. I'll catch you later, man. <laughs>